Ooh, what would we do, baby, without us? Shalala. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend, Phil Vecchio, and on this episode we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 7 of Family Ties. This episode is titled, My Tutor, and it originally aired on November 14th, 1985. And with me as always to discuss this episode is my very special co-host, Keith. Hey Phil, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent, thank you. This episode was amazing. Another great episode, yes. It is. Hey, why did I not watch this show every single time it was on when I was a kid? I don't know. Like, that's... They hit, like, right then, because, you know... Well, I mean, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the episode yet, we got a big guest star with River Phoenix. Oh. This was right after he was in Explorers. So, like... Oh, wow. I was into the Explorers, and then he did this movie, and we did this show, like... They knew exactly what their audience was. This was perfect timing. Oh, yeah. Oh, brilliant casting. Man, if I could go back in time, I think I would just thump myself in the middle of my noggin and say, watch the show. It's amazing. <laughs> Don't be dumb. It's so great. It is. Yep. It is. That's why we're doing a podcast about it. That's true. Hey, we do do a podcast about that. We do do it. Hey, do you know what else we do? What do we do? We have a friends of Alex P. Keaton is my friend on Facebook. That's true. We got a page. We got a group. We got all this stuff. We have an email. Facebook. <laughs> we have an email. Alex P. Keaton is my friend at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. In our new year here, we'd like to know what you guys are up to. Tell us what your favorite role that River Phoenix was ever in in a movie. That'd be great. We'd love to hear that. Ooh, which one is yours? It's tough, but it would have to go to Indiana Jones. 100%. That's the first one that comes to my mind, too. For Definitely. the best. He was so but then good top in that. top three would be also Explorers and Stand By Me. I? Okay, here's another confession. I don't oh know that I have gosh. ever seen all of Stand By Me. Oh my goodness, are you serious? Yeah, I, I cannot, well, and this not saying much because my memory is terrible. I can't remember that movie at all. Wow. It's really good. Oh, it's Corey Feldman. like a classic. Oh, man. It is. I'm shocked. Yeah. Well, John Cusack? Oh, that's right. And he's super young, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's got everybody. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Oh. National Treasure yeah. Jerry O'Connell? Yes. You need to see this. It's just, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I might have. I don't know. I don't well, remember Here's the funny it. thing, because, you know, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's R for, like, language and stuff. So I didn't see it when it came out, because... I think it was like 86 or 87. Okay. You know, so and I wasn't old enough for that at the time. But the first time I ever saw Stand By Me, I was working at a Christian camp <laughs> as a sound technician. This is when I was in high school, and I was the sound tech on weekends. And, you know, different, like, groups would come in. And usually it was, like, Bible studies and worship teams and, you know, pastors and preachers and all that kind of stuff. But this one week they had this group come in, and it was... I don't know, some kind of leadership conference. It was still, like, from a church group, but they had, like, at nights, they didn't use the sound system for a band or anything, but at nights they wanted to show movies. So Friday night, they they showed Reality Bites. Okay. And then Saturday night was Stand By Me. And so I got the whole weekend, all I had to do was come in and show those two movies and watch them with them. It was the best weekend ever. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Because Reality Bites is pretty good, right? It's great, yeah. Ben Stiller, Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke. 
Janine Garofalo, of course. Hey, did you hear the rumor that they're making a Mystery Men 2? <gasps> what? I want that rumor to be true. I love that movie. Yeah, the, well, it made me think of you, and I forgot about it till just now when you said Janine no, Garofalo. Incredible. I mean, it's seriously, because that movie came out before all of the movies of all the Marvel movies, like all the modern DC stuff. I think maybe one X-Men movie had, was out by then, or maybe not even that. Maybe just Blade. Yeah. It might even been before X-Men. So January 27th, uh, they asked Ben Stiller about it, and he says he's open to a sequel, and there's a, a rumor rolling around that they're working on a script. Wow. So. I want to see that. Yeah. Oh, I hope that happens. That's well. amazing. <laughs> but yeah, you're 100% right, because it just turned 22. Well, it'll be twenty two. Yeah. It'll be twenty three this year in August. I mean, there was there's a lot of new superhero material for them to lampoon, like Wonder Woman eighty four. <laughs> Speaking of old shows or movies that are being like revisited, have you seen the trailer for the new Rescue Rangers, Chippendales Rescue Rangers movie? I just watched it before we got on the phone. Literally just watched nuts. it. It is crazy. It's basically like a semi-sequel to, to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. It takes place in Toontown with like all different franchises and, and animation styles and stuff. But I'm it's bummed crazy. out because it's not the original voices. Yeah, but that's because they play the character. It's like in Roger Rabbit. Like that's their character because they're actors yeah. who live in Toontown. It's just I want the original voices. I'm telling you, it's going to be brilliant. How familiar are you with Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I've seen that one. Before, a couple times. The level of comedy and the, like, world building they do with Toontown and the way... Because all the stuff they do in cartoons are actors that are animated who are just acting as those parts. So, so they clearly established that this is, this is in that same world. Roger Rabbit is there. There's, like, My Little Ponies. There were, you know, video game characters. All kinds of stuff. It was all in Toontown. Oh, so yeah, that's, that's right. I saw Seth Rogen at the very end of the trailer. So that's why they don't have the same voices, because that's a character they play. Okay. They're not them. They That's a role that they had as cartoon characters. Well, and I saw the little fly, but I didn't see Gadget. I think they showed like a tiny glimpse of her like going off camera at one point. I don't oh. know. There's going to be something with that storyline, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty stoked on that. Yeah. Not Family Ties related necessarily, but, you know, we got there. So. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, you would watch Family Ties reruns, and then you would watch uh, the animated afternoons. That's right. Disney Afternoon. Yeah. Oh, man. that was I loved the afternoons with gummy bears and DuckTales. And then later, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck. So Tailspin was probably my least favorite out of all of them. Of that first batch there? Yeah, 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 yeah. For me, Darkwing Duck was kind of the last one that was really like that I watched as a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Like the goof, the goofy one kind of started up and I was kind of, I wouldn't say grown out of it, but I didn't have time to watch that many cartoons anymore. You know, I was in like high school at that point or whatever. Yeah, see, I don't even remember the goofy one at all. But all the way up through Darkwing Duck, I was on board. Yeah, 100%. But hey, River Phoenix. <laughs> the episode we just watched. Yeah. Yes, it was awesome. Oh, Stephen is the best, isn't he? I, he had a fun, really silly little side story in this episode. Oh, he and, did. Uh, it's great. And unfortunately, there was very little Mallory. We got more Jennifer, so that was a nice change of pace. Yeah, that's true. And we just had a Mallory episode. So yeah. It's fair. And no Nick. No Nick, no Skippy. No. Nope. But we did have Ellen. Yes. 
Oh, I loved when she came in. uh, (laughs) The interaction between her and Alex was so perfect. They have great chemistry. They They really do. do. They do. They had to have been dating by this point, right? Well, according to the stuff that we were reading that, you know, that Julia sent us, they weren't like officially dating until after she was on the show, if I remember correctly. I mean, obviously she's on the show now, so... Or, like, off-off. Like, she had already finished like all once, of her parts. Yeah, like, they didn't start... They weren't officially together until after she her tenure on Family Ties. I forget what it was. She did a movie with him, and then they, like, officially struck it up on that... On the set of that movie. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I don't have my notes of that in front of me. I don't know why you don't have those notes, because that actually pertains to Family Ties. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I can tell you a lot more about gummy bears if you want. <laughs> right? I heard that they bounce here, there, and everywhere. Sha-la-la-la! Well, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's your turn to tell us about this episode. Oh, well, tell you I shall then. We open in the kitchen with Steven, looking like he's uh, you know, one of those bookie guys, you know, like he's... Working a telegraph or whatever. And, and what he's doing is he's compiling all their receipts and figuring out a budget. And he's got an adding machine where it's got the big lever on it. And so he hits a couple of buttons <laughs> and pulls this big lever every time. And he's got a mile of the tape out behind him. And, you know, he's just he's cranking on that thing. And uh, he's just working to figure out this budget. And Alex comes in and he's getting ready to have someone come over to study with them. So he's like, hey, are you guys done? And Elise is there. And and uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I've got somebody coming over to study. And they're like, well, who is it? And he's just like, oh, it's, it's you know, no one, <coughs> a tutor. And so we get a funny uh, gag back and forth about the <coughs> tutor. You know, they <laughs> you never needed a <coughs> tutor before. <laughs> exactly. But come to find out, he's got an 89 in his math class, and that's just unacceptable. So the professor had recommended a tutor for him, and that person would help him get his one point, which was also a gag throughout that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. So the tutor shows up, and come to find out, it's a 13-and-a-half-year-old River Phoenix. Yes. He's a math genius. Eugene Forbes, I believe his name was. Yes, I only wrote Eugene, so it's a good thing you had Forbes, which is kind of a funny last name. (laughs) So, you know, we get Alex trying to flex against a 13-year-old who's a genius and, you know, trying to kind of put himself in the the same shoes. But then we come to find out that Eugene has been lonely and he just, you know, he wants a girlfriend and he wants to not feel so alone. And in walks Jennifer, and he falls head over heels in love with her. And even at the end of the scene says, I just met the mother of my children. Yeah, so that didn't get creepy fast or anything. So over the next, you know, they don't really give a time frame, but it seems like a day or two probably. We find out that Eugene just cannot keep his head on straight, that he is just obsessed with Jennifer. He can't concentrate. He gives her a gift, a beautiful x-ray of his brain. So that, that way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that way uh, she can keep a little part, a piece of him with her at all times. Oddly enough, though, she decides not to accept it. Oh, well. So Eugene just can't help Alex. Alex can't pass this class with an A if he doesn't get this help. So he ends up uh, getting Jennifer to go out on a date with a bribe. $15.50. Yeah. Oh, that was another beautiful scene, too, by the way, with him and Jennifer. <laughs> Fast, perfect. Oh, so good. So uh, he bribes her. 
they uh, end up going out that night. And so Ellen shows up and uh, she's like, you know, hey, I'm here. And he's like, oh, great. And I love that dress. And she's like, well, you didn't tell me anything other than just put on some clothes. And she's like, so I did. And so <laughs> that's when she finds out that they're going on a double date with Eugene and Jennifer. And they're going to attend a tenure party for one of the professors at Leland. Yeah, the 20th anniversary <laughs> of his tenure. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of a weird party, I think. Yes, I wonder, very. I wonder what the tenure would be for a, a college, like five years, ten years? I don't know. So I guess if question. it's the 20th anniversary, it could be like 30 years since he started teaching at the college. Could be, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. But hmm. So at the party, uh, Eugene is introducing Jennifer, and there's some hijinks that ensue along the way that I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. But... <laughs> uh, Things go a little sideways because Jennifer is a regular 13-year-old kid and Eugene is not. So he gets embarrassed, throws a temper tantrum, doubles down on being embarrassed when he finds out that everybody's looking at him. And then he runs out. And uh, Alex and Ellen are just laughing, giggling along. And and then all the people at the party look over at them and they're like, uh. So they all get home and uh, Jennifer goes upstairs out. Ellen and Alex, I almost said Alex and Ellen. Alan and Alex. Yes, yeah. Uh, they, uh, they're they just chit-chatting with Stephen and Elise, and then all of a sudden we get the doorbell, and Eugene is there. He feels bad. He needs to talk to Jennifer. And so Stephen and Elise run up the stairs, and about eight minutes later, Jennifer comes down after Alex tries to be compassionate. <laughs> and uh, we find out that compassion is definitely uh, not his strong suit. No. So it's a good thing he didn't take, like, uh, compassion or empathy in college because he would have gotten an <laughs> F. And there was no amount of tutoring that could have helped him. No, no. But uh, Jennifer and Eugene have kind of a heart-to-heart. She tells him that she appreciated the fact that he threw a temper tantrum because that shows that he is a kid, that he's not an adult. And uh, she invites him to go get a soda, and so they're going to run out and get a soda. But we get Alex, who grabs him by the scruff of his uh, collar there at his neck and asks him about Gottlieb's theory, and we get a freeze frame. That's it. That's it. We only get Mallory for like two seconds in the show. One of them was a hilarious interaction with Steven and Elise. And then the second time uh, we get it when she brings Jennifer down, like my fair lady kind of status. And, you know, isn't she beautiful? Isn't she pretty? And then, you know, they go out and we never see Mallory again. Well, she was at one little part at the end. Remember when he was looking at the bar graphs? Oh, that's right. And then she went shopping. That's right. When Steven presented his, uh, his charts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so she was kind of in on that whole storyline with the budgeting and yep, yep, yep. I forgot about that, and she was, you know, was all about uh, trying to go shopping, and that was not going to work with what Stephen was trying to do. So, well, it was such a great conclusion to that that he's been stressing about it this whole time. He's got this like huge, you know, what we call it adding machine, I guess is what they would be. Yeah, but it looks like it's from like I don't know the fifties or something. <laughs> you know, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> And he's got the you know the visor and everything, so he's spending the whole time talking about all this stuff, complaining at brand name stuff that Elise has bought. You know, don't let your tutor eat too many cookies, Alex. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> and at the end, he presents these three graphs to Elise and to Mallory: a line graph, and a bar graph, and a pie graph. And Elise like looks at it, and she points out that one of them shows they're short on every month on their budget. The other one shows they break even, and the third one shows that they're actually ahead on each one. And so after all that effort, 
Stevens like completely doesn't know what their budget is, and Mallory <laughs> takes that as an opportunity to say, "Well, you know, I think that the real truth can't be known, and you know, it's really whatever you feel in your heart." And I feel like we're doing well, so I'm going to go shopping. <laughs> well, don't forget, I mean, they still have all those winnings from when they went to Atlantic City, and Elise uh, got a little crazy. That's true; they're still living off of that, aren't they? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's only been one year, you know. I, I feel like that money's still there. They haven't spent all of it. I'm sure you remember this, but there was a time, at least when I was a kid, when like getting generic, you know, not brand name stuff was really like embarrassing. Oh yeah, you know my my parents had we did a lot of that, and it was like, oh, can't we just get like the brand name stuff? And like now, I feel like it's not as much of a stigma attached to it. Like, you know, I mean, in some things maybe, but. If the cereal that's like Frosted Flakes is generic, is cheaper, like who cares? It's the same thing. Exactly. It is the same thing. Yeah, but I remember getting the store brand stuff before as a kid, and it was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so embarrassing, right? Well, because the cans always looked weird, too. It was never like the same, or the label yeah, was a weird... Pay a graphic designer to make it look right. No, it was just like a funky, you know, brown label, and it's like, oh, this is, yeah. you know, chum. And now some of my favorite stuff is like the Costco brand. Like, oh yeah, some there's some things that's that's like that Kirkland Costco brand that I like better than any other brand anyway. Oh yeah, their toilet paper top tier. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I'm not alone in that. Like, that's the only toilet paper. Oh yeah, no, no, when, no. When there was a shortage of toilet paper near the beginning of the pandemic, well, you know, at least there became a shortage. <laughs> yes. And we had to like go outside of the Kirkland brand. Like that was some rough times. That was probably the hardest part of the pandemic for us, <laughs> right. getting the wrong toilet paper for months on end. So we got to the point where, you know, there's six of us in this house, and we go through quite a bit of toilet paper normally, and then when we're all home together, we went through an extraordinary amount. Yeah. And yeah. we got down to where we only had one roll left. And oh. I had been calling, I'd been driving places trying to find some, you know, my parents are like, here, we got a four-pack. Why don't you take one? And I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> That'll last a day or two. <laughs> so I finally got one of the paper stores that supplies, like, you know, warehouses and that kind of stuff with uh, right. the janky toilet paper, like the one-ply or the real thin, thin two-ply stuff. Yeah. I got them to sell me a box, and I paid cash for it to get it. And uh, so, yeah, we had 96 rolls of, like, a one-and-a-half-ply toilet paper. <laughs> Yeah, at one point we got we didn't get ninety six rolls, but we got like a I think it was from cost or from Amazon, like those you know the giant ones that go like in a like in a public toilet. Yes, type of thing. yeah, the big roll. Yeah, the I super mean, roll. Weren't quite as big, but it was it was for like a public toilet type of one. So, <laughs> so yeah. needless to Desperate say, it didn't times. fit on your uh, toilet paper holder. No, no, it did not. <laughs> not until it got smaller because the hole's really big. You know. Yeah. So you had to like wait till it like went down a little bit before it could actually fit on there. Oh, jeez. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I keep a little extra now in reserve just in case things go sideways again. We definitely, I mean, we don't like have a huge stash, but we refill sooner than we used to. Yes. Yeah, I don't let it go down to the last, you know, oh, here's the last six pack, you know, let's go get some. Yeah. That's what it used to be. Okay, we got like three left. We got to hit Costco later on. <laughs> yep. Now it's like... <laughs> Okay, you know, every we've got about enough for like two weeks left. We better get another one. Yeah, isn't that sad? And it might not be. I mean, I feel like now that it's kind of evened out, I don't think that's really an issue anymore, but I don't want it to be. 
again. <laughs> so most times when we go to Costco, there's always there. But um, gosh, I think it was right before Christmas, they had none toilet paper again. None. Oh. And I'm like, oh, no, are we doing this again? And then we went like, you know, it was Christmas time. So we ended up going again the next week and they had it again. And like normal, like so it must have just been a little bit of a delay in the shipment, or who knows what. Yeah, yeah, but because we haven't had problems getting it in quite a while now. Yeah, like all the grocery stores and stuff have it again, and yeah, man, I remember going down some of those aisles with the toilet paper, paper towels, napkins. There was nothing in those rows. They would have like a couple of roll, single rolls of of paper towels, and that's it. How do we get here from uh, Family Ties? I don't know. This is a long, <laughs> it's a long rabbit trail there, but. We have some great guest stars to talk about in this episode. Ooh. So I say we bring this rabbit trail back around to guest star. Ooh, yeah. Let's hit them. Sha-la-la-la! Well, first and most obvious, of course, we have Eugene Forbes, the tutor, the 13-and-a-half-year-old tutor, played by none other than River Phoenix. Gosh, he was so young, too. And like I said, this was before Stand By Me, before Indiana Jones, obviously. He had done some things. He had done Explorers by this point, which was definitely my introduction to him. Mm -hmm. And we've actually had a number of people who were in Explorers over the years as guest stars on the show, I don't know if you remember. Yes. You know, it makes sense that he would be on there too. But I, I just love that movie. And it's the one that has such a weird ending, but it's still a really cool. It's just like, it's one of those things where like, I feel like someone had a dream and they woke up and they actually made a movie of what their dream was. Cause do you, I mean, do you remember like the basic premise of it at all? I don't anymore. Cause I remember seeing it when it first came out and then I don't remember any of it anymore. Well, very basically it's a, you know, typical eighties movie where you got like, I think there's three boys and they all, you know, run around the neighborhood on bikes and stuff. And one of them, who I'm pretty sure it's the River Phoenix character, is like super smart. And but they build together. They build this spaceship, basically. Well, at first they just use it to fly around on Earth, and he uses like this rad old '80s computer to like type in the coordinates, and it's like this this clear bubble that goes around them, and it like almost instantly warps them to whatever the coordinates are, and it can blast through anything. It's like indestructible. Oh, dang! And they figure out they can go into space with it, and. They have all these adventures. It's so cool. It's so cool. They build it out of like an old uh, tilt-a-whirl machine, and there's like the glass bubble that goes around them. And I, I don't know. It's again. It just it sounds like and feels like a dream someone had that they said we're going to make this into a movie. <laughs> so you can uh, you can pay to download it and stream it through like Amazon. Otherwise, it's on Stars for free, or it's on my copy of the DVD. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to borrow Phil's DVD, just send a self-addressed stamped envelope to PO Box. <laughs> <laughs> Do it, yes. Just you can just email us. Okay. Email me. <laughs> Alex Pekin is my friend at gmail.com. If you want to watch Explorers and you want to borrow a DVD, we'll make it happen. Nice. Oh, hey, Netflix has Stand By Me because I was looking to see because there's another oh, thing yeah. that says, oh, watch it on Netflix movies. But I think that's the actual DVD. They do still do that. They still ship them out. That is so bizarre to me that anybody does that. It's crazy. Even for me, who still has a lot of physical media, I can't imagine... It was cool at the time, but what a hassle. Whereas now you can just go and click on whatever you want. Right, yeah. You don't have to wait. It's not like, oh, it's in my queue and I got to wait till it gets returned yeah. and I'm, you know, number 478,000. There were things that were on my physical queue that were like so ridiculous that I would never, ever get a hold of it. 
And I was like, I'm never going to get to watch this. Yeah. I'll and you bump, remember you would bump it up to the top of your queue and then they would like pick from your queue, but it wasn't always the top thing. No. They Gosh, would pick whatever they had. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then when my father-in-law got it, he, you know, at first he was the one movie at a time, but then he's like, you know what? I'm going to really let loose. And he did two movies at a time. <laughs> what? Yeah. And then he learned how to burn them and he was doing all kinds of wacky stuff. Crazy old man. Okay, the other worst thing I remember is that they would have like DVD box sets, right? Of, you know, TV shows or whatever. And I remember like they would, they sent us one, like a later one in the series, like not disc one of the set. So they sent us the wrong, in the wrong order. So we had to like wait and trade that back in and get the first one. Cause I didn't want to watch them out of order. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, what a disaster. Things are better now. Well, anyway, River Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Is amazing. River Phoenix is amazing. He was super great in this. He only had, sadly, as people probably know, he only had 26 acting credits and very few because, sadly, he did die very early at age 23 in 1993 from drug overdose stuff. So, pretty mm-hmm. sad situation. He also famously has uh, some other acting siblings, Liberty, Rain, Summer, and probably most famous, Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, talk about like a royal acting family, you know, a little royalty there. Yeah. Let's see. His last movie that was released was The Thing Called Love. He was also in Sneakers with Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. Which is great. He was in, of course, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade as young Indy. And before that, another movie with Harrison Ford he did was The Mosquito Coast. Oh, so, I don't remember that one at all. That one, I don't know, when I was younger, that one was, like, boring to me, but it's interesting now. It's basically Harrison Ford kind of goes nuts and decides to bring his family out to live in the wilderness, and I think they're in, like, Africa, maybe? And, um, I don't know, it, it's interesting. It's it's very different. It's hmm. not, you know, it's not Star Wars or Indiana Jones, but it's worth a watch. I always think about that sometimes, like, you know, I would just like to grab, you know, like a Robert Redford or a Harrison Ford and just watch every movie that, you know, they were in. I've done that for several actors throughout the years. Yeah? Um, I don't think I've watched everything that Harrison Ford is in, but I've definitely watched the bulk. Was there anything that, like, surprised you? Like, wow, this is really good, and I feel like it never got any love or attention. Hmm. Okay, I will say Regarding Henry is one of my favorite, like, lesser-known Harrison Ford movies. Have you ever seen that one? No. Oh, it's great. It's a guy, he's kind of like a jerk, and then he gets hit he gets injured in like a robbery i can't remember if he gets his hit or if he gets shot actually and he loses his memory and you know basically he was like a wealthy you know big businessman didn't have time for his family and was cold to his children and everything and then he gets injured and when he like comes to he's completely lost all his memory and so as he's rehabilitating he doesn't remember that he's this high-powered guy and he just kind of falls in love with his family all over again it's great very touching oh really that's great did they come around? I mean, spoiler alert, I know, but... It's very it's very touching. I mean, it's also, of course, like, you know, it's, it's a tearjerker. It's it's good. Highly recommended. Regarding nice, Henry. okay. Regarding Henry. All yeah. right. Of course, like we said, Stand By Me and Explorers. Before that, his first role that he ever had was he actually had a recurring role on a TV series of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers... And he was in it for 22 episodes as Guthrie McFadden. It was back in like 1982 and 83. So he was, oh you know, wow, two or three years younger than he is in this one. So pretty, pretty young. However, sadly, this is his only appearance on Family Ties. Jennifer's relationship what? with him does not last. Oh. 
No more Eugene. Oh, poor Jennifer. I know. Although I think she really was just being nice to him at the end. I don't think she was ever really into Eugene. No, probably not. <laughs> I hope they enjoyed their soda. So we did have other guest stars, uh, obviously much smaller roles. But first of all, we had Professor Walter Jenkins, who is the uh, professor that Alex is trying to impress that suggested Eugene be the uh, tutor in the first place. You mean the <coughs> tutor? <coughs> tutor, exactly, yes. <laughs> professor Jenkins was played by Peter Hobbs, who has 154 acting credits going way back Shoot. into like the 40s. Oh, wow. He did a lot, a lot of stuff. I mean, he was on tons of TV shows like Different Strokes, Riptide, Knott's Landing, The Facts of Life, Remington Steel, Dukes of Hazard, all that kind of stuff. He was also in the TV series Family for one episode, which <gasps> what? we haven't seen one of those pop up in a while. But yeah, Family no, with, with our very own Elise. Yeah. Yes. The Dick Van Dyke show, he had a few episodes in there. So, you know, all kinds of stuff. Also a couple of great movies. He was in 9 to 5 with uh, Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin. Any Which Way You Can, which isn't that... Uh, I don't know that I ever knew that. Yes, it's uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, and a monkey. Yes. That's right, with the monkey. It's like an orangutan, I think. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep, so he was in that. Oh, man. And he was in The Man with Two Brains with Steve Martin. Definitely the highlight oh. of his career. Oh, my Yes, gosh. I'm sure he would say that, too. Yeah, I love that movie. It's so bizarre, and it's so funny. Well, it won't shock you. I've never seen it. I, okay, that's what I thought. Okay, I just have to, I'll tell my favorite scene from that movie. Okay. Because there's this whole thing, like, his wife had died, right? Steve Martin's wife died before the movie Mm -hmm. starts, and he starts to fall in love. He's a doctor, and he starts to fall in love with one of his patients, who it turns out is, like, you know, super evil, and um, she's, it's played by uh, Kathleen Turner, and she's just out for his money and whatever, right? And there's all these signs that she basically wants to marry him and then have him die off so she can have his money. And so he's wrestling with, you know, if he should be with her. And he goes into this, he has this big atrium in his house, huge mansion. And there's all these paintings and portraits of his of his dead wife in there. And he's like, I just, I don't know. I wish you could tell me from beyond, you know, if, if I should be with her. Like, if only you could just send me some sort of sign, something to tell me that, you know, what I should do. And then lights start flickering and the big portrait starts spinning around and you hear this ghostly voice go, no, no. <laughs> and then it all stops and he goes... Just some sort of sign, anything, to let me know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Steve Martin, fantastic. So He's a genius. He is. So this guy uh, was, was in that movie with him. Lots of great stuff. But sadly, this is the only episode of Family Ties that he's in. So yet another professor at Leland. Yes. We've almost met the entire faculty now. One at a time. <laughs> yeah, we've done a couple of parties, though, too. Because remember when Ellen was doing punch, there was a couple of professors, yeah, right? That's right. But and no, then there was another. No repeats. Well, then he, we've seen him in class a couple of times with professors. Oh, and then when Alex pledged that uh, fraternity, there was professors there. Yeah. But none oh, of them. okay, yeah. We don't see him any any repeats. I mean, at this point, he's almost done with college, so. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we have two more very brief ones. At the party, Eugene introduces Jennifer. He's trying to show her off to some of the other, I think they were teacher's aides, if I remember correctly, because they're like younger. They weren't like full faculty. And there was uh, Ronald and Eunice. 
And they're oh. talking about, like, they ask him if he's read some academic paper recently. This is when, and he's like, oh, of course, that was a bit heady, wasn't it? And they're all laughing. And he asked Jennifer, well, what did you think, Jennifer? And she's like, well, the most recent book that I read was, was Nancy Drew a mountain nurse? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a real Nancy Drew book. So the, the closest there is is a, the case of the not-so-nice nurse. Maybe they were just didn't want to get in trouble for saying an actual name. I don't know. Maybe not. They didn't want to pay whoever wrote Nancy Drew. Well, let's see. So Eunice was played by Kim Sebastian, who had only 10 credits to her name, but they're a pretty good little run there. She was in the TV series of Weird Science, Noises Off, The Rocketeer, Jake and the Ooh. Fat Man, Cheers, Baby Boom, and La Bamba. What? Yeah, so like it's a pretty solid run of like good stuff and this was her only episode of family ties so we don't get to see eunice anymore either and then finally we had ronald the other uh teacher's assistant there and he was played by chip hammock but h-a-m-m-a-c-k okay he only has two acting credits easy street one episode of easy street and one episode of family ties that's it and no other information about him so not a lot to go on there so Chip Hammock, if you're out there, if you're listening, if you've been following along with this series all this time and you wanted to chime in when we got to your episode, this is your chance. Write to us at friend at gmail.com and let us know what you've been up to since that episode of Easy Street in 1986. <laughs> it's your time to shine. Sha-la-la-la! I had a couple of uh, observations that I wanted to just bring up. Oh, yeah. Hit me. Some things throughout this episode here. First of all, just a couple of things that I thought, you know, some people might not know, depending on how old they are. An interesting reference here that when Alex bribed Jennifer, you know, they bargained down to $15.50 and depended on how well the date went because he wanted it to go well so that Eugene would still tutor him, blah, blah, blah. So during the date... And it's not going well. Alex tells Jennifer, remember, you got to admit this date has to go well. This check is post dated, yes. which is a very old reference. I don't think most people like modern, you know, younger folk would know what that is. Do you know what post dated is, Keith? I do, actually. I figured you would, yeah. <laughs> Been there and done that a few times. Yeah, where you write the date for a later date than it is so someone can't cash it until you have the money in the account. Or, in this case, to make sure that they have a chance to cancel it if you don't perform the services. I got a post-dated check two years ago. Really? Yeah, for, a, you know, not a large amount of money, but like a thousand bucks. So when Heidi's dad was living at the uh, that nursing facility, you know, we had to pay. And so we paid our normal thing. Well, he ended up not uh, – he had stage four lung cancer. So when he died, it was only about a week into the month. And so they owed us most of that money back. Right. And, you know, the lady kind of messed around with me, messed around with me. She wasn't going to give it back to me there for a while. And she kept singing a song and dance about, oh, you know, costs are so expensive. I just don't have it to give you. And I'm like – but I just gave you the money. Like you couldn't have spent all of it already. And so she she ended up breaking it into two payments. And the second payment, she sent both checks at the same time. She goes, Oh, I'm gonna send them both at the same time. But one I'm gonna post date for a week. And I said, Okay, a week is whatever. She post dated it a month. What? Yeah. I was pretty angry with her for that because I still had all of his bills to pay. So <laughs> Yeah. But whatever. 
Yeah, that was two years ago. But yeah, so I got a post-dated check, wow. and I couldn't do anything with it. And I called the bank, and I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. I said, can I cash this? And they said, they won't honor it because of the date. And so once you cash it, then it'll just it'll show, you know, no funds or whatever. They won't pay it. And then you can't, you don't get it back to deposit again. You'll have to get a new check. And I said, well, that's not going to work. So I just held on to it for a month. And then I finally deposited it. That's a rare occurrence. Now you should treasure that. Yes. For the history of it all. Well, first off, who writes checks? And second off. The fact that she had a checkbook is impressive. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But yeah, post-dated checks, good times. Okay. Another one. And this one is something I'm pretty sure about here. When Alex is first talking with Eugene about how he's lonely, you know, Eugene doesn't have any friends. It's hard to meet girls at his age at college. And, you know, he's telling Alex about what he's what he's looking for. And he says he wants a companion, a confidant, a friend, a chicken hot pants. That was his list, you know. <laughs> but something about the way that he phrased it at the beginning, he said a companion, a confidant, a friend. And he kind of like, you know, it was saying as a list. And that reminded me of the lyrics of the Golden Girls theme. You're a What? Yeah, you're a pal, a friend, and a confidant. Yes. And I looked it up, and Golden Girls was on the same channel, NBC. And the premiere happened in September, and this was November of 1985. On the same channel. So they were throwing a little uh, love towards the Golden Girls. I kind of feel like it. Like, it seems a little too convenient that it would be, like, that close. Well, just based on the fact of, you know, with uh, Betty White's passing here last month, that is a good, good feeling to go out on with that one. So there you go. So we got an oblique Betty White reference there in this episode. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty confident in that. I feel like that's a pretty good bet. Confidant is a different word. I mean, most people don't use that. I mean, even people like Eugene. Well, and when when I saw that it had happened, that the premiere was right before this, too, I'm like, that's got to be. And it's the same channel, NBC. That's good be. thinking. Just, you know, put that theme song in your head. You'll be singing. I didn't even say the whole thing. I didn't sing it. And you're going to be singing that in your head from now on for oh, the rest yeah. of the night. Well, I do normally, so it's fine. <laughs> most people do, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. (laughs) Two other things. One, I don't know if you heard this when Alex was apologizing. I can't even remember what for, but he said a a sorry, like a really good Canadian sorry. It's one of the, you know, he's he's really good at hiding his Canadian accent for the most part. But every once in a while, he lets a sorry slip out. And I thought there was a really great one. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. And then, finally, this just one more observation from this episode. Where's Andy? Well, he was on a real big nap. Oh, yeah. A long... Like a a (laughs) five-dayer. Yes, week-long. I mean, we never know reference to him. We don't see him around. Nobody's holding him or feeding him. Just no Andy. Yeah, no, they're just living life, man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was with Steven's mom. Must have been, yeah. He was <laughs> happened to be out of town. <laughs> In that nursing home in upstate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just very uh, it's very convenient how they can just not have him around. Right? That's kind of funny, huh? How you know, oh we don't need Andy. Yeah. So Heidi has a theory. Uh, I'm gonna float it by you then. Okay. So, you know, in the opening credits, how the photo at the very end of the opening credits is all of the Keatons, right? Including the baby Andy. Right. She said she thinks that that's all photoshopped together. 
And I said, well, there's a problem with that. They didn't have Photoshop back then. (laughs) And she said, yeah, but they could splice different parts, you know, the people and stuff. And she goes, but the shadows don't match. Interesting. I mean, that's possible they could physically have cut it apart, you know. Well, I mean, they still had things like, you know, some camera magic and stuff, too, that they could make that kind of stuff work. But so she's like, but look at the shadow on Elise and the baby. It's different than everybody else in the photo. So she's like, I think they cut them in. Interesting. All right, I'm gonna have to examine that next time I look at this here because. Hmm. So if if you agree, then that was Heidi's theory, and if you don't agree, then I'm right. So <laughs> okay, all right, I'll look and see. I said I, I can't imagine it was that hard to get that entire cast together because you know they spend a lot of time together already to throw a photo together. But maybe I mean, while Meredith Baxter was still on leave, they needed to get the picture ready for the next year, and so they had her send in a picture with her kid. Or something along those lines, and they cut it together. I could see something like that happening, you know. Well, and we already have the the working theory that that uh, baby is hers. I, I still think that seems reasonable. I agree. Maybe there's something to it. Maybe she's right. She's on the right track. <laughs> so, there you go. That's her theory. I like it. And speaking of theories, the last little observation I have here is Gottlieb's theory. Sorry, Gottlieb's oh, theory. Oh, yeah. He asked them oh. about at the very end there. It is, in fact, a real theorem named by Stallings, which is the name of the mathematician, I guess. Okay. I looked it up, and I don't understand what it means, but it basically deals with the law of vector fields. And then I have the proof here, but I don't know. Something with algebra... And geometry. And geometry. That's funny because I looked it up too and I couldn't find anything. It was confusing because there was a different Gottlieb who was like a studied birds and had theories about birds and stuff. And and Yeah, the psychobiological systems perspective. Yes. So that was different yes. from the mathematics Gottlieb's theorem. It says if X is a compact CW complex so that X parentheses X six equals zero, then G one X is trivial. So, oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't know what any of that means, but yeah, no, that sounds so reasonable, though, the way when you say it like that. Yeah. I think we could probably (laughs) figure it out if we spent some time, but I looked at it briefly and I was like, okay, well, it's a real thing. That's enough for me. Well, it was in Science uh, Direct on the uh, topology from October of 1965. So, there you go. An algebraic formulation of Gottlieb's theorem. There you go. It's real. Oh, and it was from Rice and Princeton Universities. Mm. Mm, not Leland, huh? No, not Leland. Oh, <laughs> they digitized it March of 2002. Oh, okay. Took a while. Took them a yeah. long time to get that thing scanned <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah. Must be really backed up. They might not have had the scanners and stuff uh, going in 1965. Yeah, they're like, hold on, just give me a couple decades to have this invented and we'll get right on that. <laughs> yeah, we'll take care of that quick. <laughs> Oh, Gottlieb. Poor Gottlieb. Poor Gottlieb. Always the theorist, never the theorem. <laughs> Sha-la-la-la! Well, any other gags or jokes we need to go over here that we didn't cover? Yes, there's like a million and a half. And there's tell me that the Mallory and the fake shampoo, the uh, uh, non-name brand shampoo, wasn't <laughs> yeah. one of the funniest things you've ever seen. Yes, she like didn't even want to touch it, throwing it down <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> she literally threw it at Steven's feet. She's all, what is this? And <laughs> hammers his foot with it. 
And then they saw, well, it's, you know, not name brand shampoo. And she's like, I can't go herbal and then go back. <laughs> and like, he tries to hand it to her and she like shrinks against the wall there. <laughs> that was probably one of the funniest things. My other favorite, favorite one was Stephen, as he's going through all the budgeting, he looks up a receipt and he goes, 87 cents for safety pins. What's next, a Learjet? <laughs> Well, and that makes me think of the thing where uh, didn't somebody take a safety pin and then they just kept trading, trading, trading until they ended up with like a house or something stupid? Yeah, there's there's a lot of stories. It's interesting. The kids and I have been reading this book called The Great Brain, which was oh, written yeah. in the 60s, but it is about life in like the late 1800s, like 1895 or something like that is when it's set. And he tells a story about when he was a kid this guy who would go around from town to town and he'd do those trades and try to, you know, he'd start out with like a chicken egg and he'd wind up with a, a horse and carriage at the end or whatever. And so yes. that happened back then. I mean, this is fictionalized, but it's loosely based on his childhood. And the story was written in the 60s, but I've heard lots of stories of other people doing stuff like that more recently. And in fact, when I was like in youth group in high school, we used to do a scavenger hunt thing like that where we'd all start together and then you go around the neighborhoods everyone would start with a penny and whoever came back with the largest item was the winner and we had someone come back with like a bicycle like at the end of it the night you know oh my gosh yeah that's kind of cool it's fun i don't know if people would like go for that stuff now but back then people were into it yeah well people i think were just kinder back then nobody has time now Nobody wants to play those games. But yeah, then the way that that worked is we just said, oh, anything bigger than this. And so someone will give you a cotton ball or whatever. And eventually it just got bigger and bigger. And there you go. <laughs> you got a 32-inch, uh, one of those old uh, tube TVs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took four kids to carry it in. <laughs> and that's how we got our house. <laughs> yeah. la 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 When Steven just, at the very beginning, he's got that giant adding machine and Alex comes down and he says, oh, we got to rush that down to the business museum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is both funny and also I love the fact that Alex goes to a business museum somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's probably right next door to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm sure. Ooh, let's go check out that business museum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got some time to kill. <laughs> and then I also love when he's... Alex is struggling with this Euclidean, non-Euclidean geometry and, and uh, you know, the whole idea that it's not concrete ideas. And Eugene is like, you just got to let go of rational thought and, and try to see it, you know, metaphorically or whatever. And Alex is like, uh, I, I'm, I don't want to let go of rational thought. My sister Mallory let go of rational thought and she never got it back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, her and Nick are still sharing the one brain. <laughs> I know. Poor Mallory. She wasn't even in the scene, and she was the butt of the joke there. Right? She's still getting roasted. The only other thing that I wrote down is just that fantastic bargaining bit where Alex starts oh. at 20 bucks and, and Jennifer at 5 No, reverse. Alex is at 5 and Jennifer is at 20 and they come together at fifteen fifty. But they must have rehearsed that forever because it was just perfect. And it was fast, too. Yeah, it was good. And then when just when he and Ellen come in and then Stephen and Elise are like, hey, you know, Jennifer wasn't interested. And now all of a sudden she's going out with <laughs> yeah, them. Do you know why? And Alex is like, well, I don't know. Ellen, do you know why? And they're both cracking up the whole time. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what could have happened. <laughs> Bribed his sister to go on a date. <laughs> <laughs> so he could be tutored by a 13-year-old. Sha-la-la-la.
Is there a moral for this episode you would like to share? Well, of course. Even geniuses need to take time to enjoy the moment and the people that surround them. That's good. Yeah. What about you? Well, mine was just don't rush growing up. Enjoy being yeah. a kid while you can or whatever age you're at. Yeah, he, he didn't get to live his childhood. He was teaching high school before he was 13, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, which if you were in high school and your teacher was like 10, would how well would you do? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it would go over well. I can't imagine. No, not at all. They would roast that poor kid. Yeah. No, you definitely uh, got to enjoy the moments. That's right. And uh, I think that's it. I think it was a pretty simple, pretty simple moral for the night. I think so. And don't <laughs> turns out uh, you may be able to get away with calling people who are, you know, 40, 50 years older than you by their first names when you're that smart. But uh, when you have a temper tantrum in front of them, everybody's going to look at you. <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> we didn't go over it too much, but that temper tantrum he did was just fantastic. <laughs> it was so good. She's acting immature. She's acting <laughs> like a kid. And she's like, I am. <laughs> Especially after he'd been acting all cerebral the whole episode. It was just, it was a great little bit there. Beautiful. And then Alex and Ellen again, just cracking up in the corner. <laughs> I laughed. Oh, that was great. Oh, it was so good. Well, I mean, this has been a good episode. And I think it's been uh, a great episode. I think it has. Keith, thank you so much for joining me on this episode tonight. Well, Phil, it was my pleasure as always. And thank you, dear listeners, for coming along with us on this journey, for watching the show and listening to our show. Please don't forget, if you'd like to write to us, alexbkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com is right there for you. Just got to send us an email, or you can message us on Facebook and tell us what you think, give us some feedback, and you know, let us know if you are an actor who's been on the show and you want to tell us what you're up to these days. Or maybe you want to tell us about your Costco and or pandemic experiences. We'd love to hear about that. Yes, we would. That would be fantastic. What did you have a hard time getting? My mom got all into baking and she couldn't get yeast. Yeah, I didn't have that problem so much. Yeah, it turns out I didn't either. Remarkable. Turns out I was still able to get bread, so I was good. Someone else used the yeast on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, I still got the benefit. <laughs> well, I think that is going to do it for this episode. So we'll be back again next week with another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. What would we do, baby, without us? What would we do, baby, without us? And there ain't no nothing we can love each other through. And what would we do, baby, without...